In your Bibles tonight, would you turn with me to Mark chapter 11? Mark chapter 11 this evening. We're going to be looking at a verse here in Mark chapter 11, verse number 24. Mark chapter 11, verse number 24, in a sermon that I've titled Essentials of Prayer. Essentials of Prayer. This is a verse that if you are one to highlight, if you are one to underline, to commit to memory, this is one of these verses to do that. Uh, this, as we work our way through Mark eleven twenty four, is a very profound verse, laying wonderful groundwork and providing true essentials of prayer, what real prayer is, how prayer is answered, how prayer is developed. It's a verse that if you really take to heart and apply what it lays forth, will really change your prayer life for the better. Mark eleven twenty four. in a moment we'll read this wonderful verse. Um, but I'd, I'd like to share with you how it is that people have been taking for granted prayer and what we can do to make it right. I fear that many people can be complacent with prayer, that whatever semblance of a prayer life we may have has become extremely dull and, quite honestly, lackluster. Sure, we may take time each day to offer some prayer up to God. Our lips may even be moving. Words may be coming from them that may actually even sound good. We may even try to add extra emphasis to our prayers by quoting scripture. But the more we break down our prayers, and if we're honest to do this, the more we break down our prayers, the more we find that there's not actually a whole lot being said. Our text this, this evening is a short one. It's just one verse, but it, it gets to the heart of the matter with regards to prayer. And I feel that the simple truth that it suggests is something that we have ignored. Even as Christians, it doesn't matter how long you've been saved, it's something we've ignored and need to be reminded of, especially if we ever expect to see any sort of power in our prayer life. So would you look at these words from Mark chapter eleven twenty four? words of Christ. He says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. Now, at first glance, this verse almost seems to be expressing the belief in miracles. That if you pray, you're going to see miracles happen. That whatever you desire in prayer will be met. But I think even more than a belief in miracles, this verse is actually telling us about a belief in the miracle, or the miracle of believing in Jesus, rather. There are many people who have been praying the wrong way for so long that it is no longer an enjoyment for them. When they come before God and come kneeling at him, it's no longer an enjoyment for them. They may still pray because they know that this is what they should be doing because they're told to be doing this as a Christian. One of the things that you're supposed to do is pray to God. But because they're not praying the right way, there's no joy in it for them. There's no excitement in it for them. There's no refreshment that they get out of it. It's as if we've never prayed at all. Many times we do this, where you pray and you feel like you're just laying it all at the feet of Jesus and you open your eyes after you say amen and you feel no better afterwards. There's no refreshment out of it. You've almost never done anything. You've just wasted time, it seems like. Whatever it was that led you to prayer in the first place that was so burdening for you is still seemed to be weighing on you even after you're done praying. Somewhere along the road of life, I think we've missed picking up on some of these instructions on how to pray. Because whatever it is that we're doing, 
for most of us, is not true prayer. We've missed out on a wonderful fellowship with God that he desires for us to have. Our prayers don't end up often being the pouring out of our soul to a loving God with the firm conviction that God is going to meet these needs. After repeating some same words that we're probably very familiar with, we probably have our own routines when it comes to prayer, have generally the same words that we pray at a consistent basis. We usually rise from our knees, open our eyes, sometimes even more troubled, more discouraged, more burdened than when we first went to the Lord in, in the beginning. But God intended prayer to be so much more excellent than what we have lowered it to be. And it is possible to know and experience all that God intends for us to know in true prayer. Notice again what it says here in Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that ye receive them, and ye shall have them. The more we look at this verse, the more we see four essential qualities in prayer. So I want to identify these four essential qualities of prayer a little bit deeper. First of all, to have any sort of value in our prayers, we must have something specific that we're praying for. Again, verse number 24 says, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire. He says, what things. What is he saying? Be specific when you go to God in prayer. What things? Be specific when you close your eyes and you lay the burdens that are on your heart at the feet of our Savior. We can get into these habits, and we've all done this, where we're rambling on for minutes at a time while we're praying without really saying anything at all. We've exhausted every word in the dictionary, but we haven't really prayed about anything specific. And the easiest way this is done is when we start praying before thinking about what it is that we're going to be praying about. Many times we've determined to pray before we go to bed at night. It's just become a routine. So before we go to bed, we, we go through all of our nighttime routines. We, we brush our teeth. We get our pajamas on. Maybe we have a spot by our bed that we kneel. And we go to conclude our nighttime routine and we pray. But praying out of routine can often become more of a habit and less about seeking God for something specific. This is what I do to cap off my nighttime routine before I actually climb into bed and go to sleep. So let me now bow and let me come before God and just lay it all. And it's just a routine. The words come out. Your mouth is moving, but nothing is really actually said. Your heart isn't in it. But it just happens to be that time of day, the last part of your nighttime routine, the caboose on it all, that you have to just slap on there before you can call it a night. So you kneel, you close your eyes, and talk and what you've convinced yourself is prayer. How many of you go to the grocery store without making a list? Wow. A couple of you, you're bold. We've done it before. My wife and I have done it before and we've regretted it. Because inevitably what you do is you spend hours at the grocery store. Because you don't have a, maybe you have something in your mind, but when you don't have something written down, you're aimlessly walking down each and every, oh, do we need some of that? I don't remember. We should probably get some of this. Oh, what about this dial? And you're just randomly going down all these aisles trying to remember what you needed, what you don't have at home, what still needs to be stocked up. And all of these things without having a set plan can just lead to absolute chaos and just endless hours at the grocery store. We make lists before we go so we know exactly what we need to pick up. 
so that we're not carelessly and just aimlessly walking around hoping to stumble across something that might be good and might be profitable that we are really going to need. And just about everything we do in life, we have a plan before we go about doing it. But how is it that we as Christians are often so guilty of going to God in prayer with no plan at all? And because we, we lack a plan often when we come to God, we get nothing out of the prayer. We feel no better having prayed. If we made it a point to go to God with something specific, what things soever you desire, he says, what things? If we had a point to go to God with something specific, you would find that prayer is not lackluster. That prayer is not dull. Instead, you'd find how wonderful and life-giving that prayer can be. And you'll wonder why you haven't approached God this way before and why it's been so long that you've come to God this way. I guarantee that you'll find it incredibly helpful if you have a list of needs before you, a list of names, a list of specific needs that need to be met before you kneel in prayer. And just as a side note, if you can avoid it, maybe you're better at this than me, don't pray while you're lying down. There have been times where I've started praying while lying down and I've woken up 10 minutes later. Maybe you can manage this better than I can, but just a good rule of thumb, pray standing or pray kneeling. Generally, when you're praying while you're kneeling, your knees begin to ache and it keeps you awake. Go to God with specific needs, not just general needs. Pray for someone specifically with whatever specific need they may have. If you have children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, even great-great-great-grandchildren, if you're that old, <clears throat> I'm not going to point any fingers, pray for each of them by name. Don't just go to God and say, God, bless all of those children and all of my grandchildren and all the great-grandchildren and all the great-great-great-grandchildren because of how old you've made me to be. Pray for them all specifically by name. When you're praying about something for yourself, pray specifically about it. If you're in a financial crisis, pray specifically about the situation that you're in. State the whole matter to God and be smart enough to use modesty with God. Come to God and speak honestly from your heart to him. God's not interested in, in how well you can articulate everything to him. He's not going to shortchange you because you used an incorrect word. He's just interested in us coming to him from our heart, offering specific requests up to him. Don't get carried away with trying to use as much scripture in your prayer as possible. Offer your specific needs to God in the most natural way that you can. Some of you might think that you have nothing specific to be praying about. I may not know everything there is to know about all of you, but I know that we all have spe specific things to be praying for. But in case you think you're the exception, that everything in your life is perfect and all together, let me suggest that you pray for humility. And then you find someone in the church that you can be praying for specifically. So along with having something specific to pray for, second, the second essential is pray with an earnest desire for the specific request. Pray with an earnest desire. Notice again what it says in verse number 24. Therefore I say unto you, what things, be specific, what things soever ye desire. Be passionate as you pray. When you really want something, you desire it. You will ask it from your heart and it'll be passionate. 
passionate plea. Don't just half-heartedly offer your request up to God. Be passionate about it. Be compelled to go to God with this earnest prayer for a specific need, the same way that you might be pleading for your life. When you go to God in prayer, you have to have an earnest desire for whatever it is you might be praying to God for, that you won't close your eyes in prayer until you have that answer. Now, don't start making ultimatums. but be in submission to God's will at all times. Be passionate about your specific request, having the conviction that whatever it is that you're asking for is not wrong, neither contrary to God's will. And be determined to continue in prayer day after day after day about the same matter with the same passion, the same conviction until God opens the doors and the windows of heaven and pours out upon you the desire of your heart. We must have an earnest desire in our prayers. We must be passionate. Otherwise, we have no reason to ever expect the Lord to answer any of our requests. When we stop and consider just the sheer greatness of our God, the glory of his might and the majesty of his power, the one who has created everything by his spoken word, why is it that we are not running to God with this unceasing passion and earnestness in our prayer, knowing what he's capable of. One day, several years ago, we had taken Lily to the park, and this was only when we had our one child. We had taken her to the park. She was about three, maybe four years old, and we got her this nice little kite. It was a Barbie kite, so this was just, you know, a little girl's dream. She'd been begging us to fly, fly the kite. And, you know, in our backyard at that point, we had just trees everywhere. There was no way, no room for her to fly the kite in our backyard. So we went to the park to, for her to fly her kite. Perfect windy day. And so I'm, I'm showing her how to fly this kite. And we finally get it up there, 30, 40 feet up in the air. And you can see the Barbie design. And this little girl, she is just beaming from ear to ear. She is so excited. And then she looked at me and she said, Daddy, can you lift me up to be as high as that kite? And I remember thinking, how incredible is this? This little girl thinks that I'm capable of that. In her mind, she thinks that dad is some Superman who can lift her up 30, 40, 50 feet up in the air to be as high as this kite is flying in the sky. And then she grew up and she realized how little I can really do. The younger she was, the more she thought I was capable of. The older she gets, the more she realizes how little I'm capable of. And I fear that as Christians, we are the same way with God. From the moment we're saved, our faith in the ability, in the capability of God is often at such a high. We're just amazed at how a God could love us so much, the God of the entire universe, to send us his only begotten son, to free us from the bondage of sin that our works could never do and had doomed us to hell. This God loved us to send us his son to come to our place. And through his forgiveness, through his sacrifice, through faith in Jesus Christ, we can be saved. How could this God do this? How could a God love us so much? How could he be that great? And so when we're first saved, our view of God is often the highest it'll ever be. 
And then as time goes on and the years go by and we allow ourselves to almost come back down to reality, we're still saved. We don't lose our salvation. We may be attending a good Bible-believing church. We may have more knowledge of God because we've been in the Word and we've filled our head with as much as we can. But often our view of the ability, the capability, and the power of God fades for some reason. And so what we thought God was capable of when he first saved us, now, 10 years, 20, 30 years down the line, we're no longer thinking of God in that same mindset. Our our view of God is not as big as what it once was. We start to become too rational. Well, you know, I could go to God with a specific request, and I could be extremely passionate about this or that, but, you know, let's be honest Let's be a little realistic here. Probably nothing's going to happen. This need of mine is most likely not going to be met. So what's the point? Now, I'll do my part. I'll say the quick prayer so that I can check it off the list and say that I've at least done that. But then I'll get back to reality. Have we forgotten who it is that we're praying to? Are we foolish enough to come before the presence of the Almighty God essentially mocking him with our doubt and our half-hearted sincerity? Are we really going to be content uttering some vain words in prayer with no sincerity in our hearts? Approaching God this way is only disrespectful to God, and it proves to him that you really never wanted what it is that you came to him with in the first place. It's as if we don't want to set ourselves up for disappointment down the road that we justify being so half-hearted in our prayers to God. And bonus, if our prayers do get answered, then we'll be that much more excited because our expectations were so low to begin with. Because our view of what God could do was down in the dumps instead of way up where it needs to be. On so many levels, this approach is so wrong and just completely foolish. If you're not specific about your request, if you're not passionate to pray and present your specific need before the Almighty God, Do me a favor, don't bother disrespecting God with your doubt and insincerity. He is in heaven, we are on earth. He is the creator, we are his creations. He is alpha and omega. We were formed from the dust of the earth. Don't forget who you are in your relation to God. And don't ever forget what he's capable of doing when you come to him the right way. We need to come to God in prayer with a specific request and an earnest desire. But both of these are insufficient until they're added, until they're, we add to this a steadfast faith in God. A steadfast faith in God. Look again at Mark eleven twenty four. Therefore I say unto you, what things soever ye desire, when ye pray, believe that you receive them. Believe. Have a steadfast faith in God. Believe it. Do we really believe in the real and full power of prayer? There are many Christians who don't. And if we did, I think it'd be evident. Just about every Christian will claim that prayer is important, that prayer is vital, that prayer is necessary. They'll even acknowledge that at times prayer is capable of producing incredible results. But there is a real doubt in many minds of many Christians that prayer, true prayer, is always successful. True prayer that is offered in accordance to God's will is successful every single time. 
I fully believe that true prayer is one of, if not the greatest power in the universe, but it is yet to be fully unleashed because Christians haven't fully and consistently demonstrated the steadfast faith in God. True prayer has an invaluable influence over the entire universe as any of the laws of physics or matter. When a believer in Christ specifically prays with an earnest desire and a steadfast faith in God, it is not a question of whether or not God is going to hear him. It is a certainty that God is going to hear him. Not because he's praying loud enough for his prayer to travel all the way down from earth all the way up to heaven, but because there is a sweet communion in the presence and in the promise of God to all believers. God has promised to hear our prayers and he will perform all his promises. He is the most high God and his word tells us that not one of his promises shall ever fail. And when you stop and consider that God even listens to us, he listens to us who have nothing to offer him. It is truly a wonder why we don't passionately, specifically, and steadfastly seek him more. He inclines his ears to those who don't deserve even a moment of his attention. And then we mock his promises and laugh at his faithfulness as we treat prayer so disrespectfully. Who are we to think that God is there at our mercy? That he is just supposed to wait on us hand and foot. That whenever we go to him, he's supposed to meet our needs. That whenever we bow before him, he's supposed to answer us. How did the role somehow get reversed here? The last time I checked, he is still God and we are not. And if God inclines his ear to you, you run to him as fast as you can with a clear and a specific request, with a passion, passionate request and having that steadfast faith in him. You run to him as often as you can. There's no greater force which God has given to man than prayer. Unless we believe our prayer to be effective, it will not be, for it will depend it will depend to a great extent on our steadfast faith in God. But when we have a steadfast faith in God and are passionately pleading for something specific to God, it is no longer a probability as to whether we shall get the blessing or whether our request shall be answered. When believers have a steadfast faith in God, in whatever it is that we're going to him with, there is nothing that is impossible. We will be delivered out of the deepest times of despair. We shall be rescued out of the most troubling circumstances. We will have all of our needs met. We shall be able to stand firm and walk confidently in the midst of opposition. We will be able to do all this if we can only believe the promise of God and to pray to him with the power of an unfaltering reliance upon his word. So on top of all this, on top of praying for a specific need with an earnest desire, with a steadfast faith, the fourth essential of prayer. What needs to be added to the first three is a full expectation of the request being met. Believe that you receive them. Notice again what it says in verse 24. Therefore I say unto you what things soever you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Have a full expectation that the request shall be met. Some people think of answered prayer like some crazy thing of our imaginations. Oh, wouldn't that be good if that could actually happen, right? Wouldn't that be neat if prayers were actually answered? How awesome would that be? It actually does happen. As long as we're praying in accordance with God's will, as long as we're praying specifically, earnestly, steadfastly, expectantly, answered prayer is as certain as the sun rising in the morning. 
Answered prayer is not something of our imaginations. We need to have a, a full assurance in our prayers before you even see God answering them. Now that goes backwards, right, with how we live our lives. We want to see the results before we're going to believe what God is capable of doing. God, show me how you're going to do this, and then I'll believe. And what does the Bible say? As you pray, as you cast your burden at him, believe before you see, and you shall have. That goes against every human inclination, every human tendency. Lord, I need to see how you're going to do this in order for me to believe. Have a steadfast faith in God that he is capable of doing what it is that he's going to do. I have never prayed in faith and found God to fail me. While the unbelieving world may look upon prayer as something that is worthless, just a waste of time, it never, is never the case to a true believer who is fully trusting and relying upon God. God will not allow those who are fully devoted and committed and trusting in him to ever be ashamed. As we looked at these four essentials of true prayer, I want you to notice that not one of them dealt with the length of a prayer. God isn't concerned with how long your prayers need to be. In fact, if you're only praying about one specific matter, does your prayer really need to be too long? Some people have an incredible lung capacity to the point where they can pray for 10 minutes without even taking a single breath. And sometimes we can pray for 10 minutes covering every range of topics while not praying for even one specific matter. Someone once said, remember the Lord will not hear you because of the arithmetic of your prayers, counting the number of your words. God will not hear you because of the rhetoric of your prayers, caring for the eloquent language in which they are conveyed. God will not listen because of the geometry of your prayers, computing them by their length or their breadth. God will not regard you because of the music of your prayers, caring for sweet voices or for harmony. Neither will God look at you because of the logic of your prayers, because they are well arranged and excellently divided. But God will hear you and will measure the amount of the blessings he will give you according to the divinity of your prayers. If you can plead the person of Christ, and if the Holy Ghost inspires you with zeal and earnestness, the blessings that you shall ask shall surely come to you. I think there's a lot of truth in that statement. Because I think the reality is, is that we focus too much trying to put forth an effort in getting our prayers to sound right using fancy, eloquent words, being extremely wordy, while rambling on and on and on. And rather than actually praying as we should, we end up at times trying to just impress the person sitting next to us. Or we're trying to impress God. Maybe we've heard someone pray a specific way, and we try to imitate what they prayed or how they prayed, because we, when we heard them pray, man, we thought their prayers definitely got past the ceiling and made it all the way to God, when my prayers just get blocked by the ceiling. Don't complicate what Christ has made simple here. Just speak clearly to God straight from your heart. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't matter how much scripture that you quote back to God. Just be clear, be concise. Offer your request to him with an earnest desire, with a steadfast faith in him, and do it expectantly, waiting for God to work. I want, all, I want us all to, to look at our prayer life. It may be that we've, for a long time now, approached God the wrong way. 
Maybe we've been praying on a regular basis, but praying regularly is not the same as praying the right way. Sometimes we're in such a rush that we can hardly spare two minutes of prayer. There are other times where we might pray for 10 minutes and not pray for anything at all. Maybe you've poured out your heart and soul to God in prayer for something specific. But then you've gone away completely distrustful. Not believing that your prayer will even be answered, let alone even heard. Maybe you've quoted the promises of God listed here in the words of Mark eleven twenty four back to God as you poured out your heart and soul to God, but you've never fully believed that God would actually fulfill the desires that you brought to him. And when this happens to us, we need to, to quickly remember who God is and come to him in repentance. God has given us such an incredibly powerful weapon in prayer, and we have allowed it to rust and just collect all sorts of dust. God has afforded believers this matchless power in prayer that, it is, that is full of blessedness for us. And yet that unbelievable power for many of us remains for the most part unused. God has offered this power not just on special occasions, but is available for us at all times. And because we're not following God's will properly, we're preventing ourselves from reaching our full potential in Christ. God gives light to the sun, and guess what? It shines. God gives force to the wind, and as we've seen in the last several days, it blows. And then God gives believers something greater than light and wind and force. He gives believers his power in prayer, and yet we sit still, squandering it day after day. For so long, we may have thought that we're praying when in reality, the majority of the time, we were probably just talking to ourselves. We need to go straight to God and confess that we have been supplied all that is necessary for a proper prayer life, but we've turned our back on him when we've needed him the most. We need to go straight to God and confess how guilty we are of not praying the right way for everything, for the people around us, for the unsaved of the world. We need to wake up and realize that we've been neglecting God and his great power that is offered to us in true prayer. Maybe we've closed our eyes to the greatness of God and, and what he offers believers, but all the power and the greatness of God is still there and available for us in true prayer. It may have been a while since you've truly sought after God intently, but God is still patiently waiting and is still ready to hear all of your petitions. What a blessing it is to know our God who is in heaven is always ready to hear from us and answer our prayers. It's been said that for believers... There is always a ready hand if you come to him with a ready heart. All we have to do is cry out to him specifically with an earnest desire, having a steadfast faith in him, with a full expectation of his power to work. God will hear. No matter what we are going through, where we may be, we can go to the Lord with a sincere heart. And whatever our petition may be, if we ask in Jesus' name, it shall be done unto us. Would you bow with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, we're thankful, Lord, for the reminder of what true prayer looks like. Lord, I know for myself this is something that I've struggled to consistently maintain. Lord, for at times we end up becoming a little too realistic for our own good. Lord, for whatever reason, we neglect some of these essentials and what we may think passes for a prayer life is nothing more than just talking to ourselves. 
Lord, may we do a serious self-examination as we consider what our prayer life is and what it should be. And Lord, if there is something that needs to change, I pray that you would help us to change that so that we experience the full blessedness of that sweet communion that you offer us in prayer. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This evening we're going to close.